Welcome to Beyond the Blockchain Podcast. This is your host, Abby Harris, with my partner, Yuri C. We do this each and every Monday. We drop podcasts from Who's Who of the Web3 crypto space. This week's guest, we have Howard John. Um, coming way of DC slash New York slash I believe South Carolina. Um, Howard, man, listen, Howard has his finger on the pulse. Um, he's taking a step to educate, advancement, job placement within the Web3 space. There's a lot of people that I meet in this space. There's only a few that I'm very impressed with, and Howard is one of them. Check out this interview with Howard John, uh, Black Meta Agency. Uh, this is Beyond the Podcast. Uh, beyond the Podcast. This is Beyond the Blog Podcast. We do this each and every Monday. Peace. I would like to welcome you to Beyond the Block. This is our podcast. Um, and we have great guest, uh, Howard John. And actually, this is the second time that we actually doing this. So, you know, they say uh, second time is the charm. They really yeah, say the second but we got to say second time. But here's the here's the beautiful thing about tech. Like you create, right? You find your faults and then you come back and create again and then it just gets nothing but better. So we talked about a lot of things in the time since the last time we spoke to uh, Howard and a lot of things have changed in this hmm. short period of time. Sure. So in our Web3 crypto world space, you know, an hour is basically a day <laughs> and a day is about a year and a month you know things move very very fast so um welcome to beyond the block i am your host abby harris and this is my partner Prime. Ooh, you say your name. You're supposed to catch on to that. <laughs> what's going on it's yuri c um and yeah we're holding it down in new york howard where are you coming from uh today i am in washington dc the nation's capital and what do you have going on? How is the climate by you? Um, how's the weather? And uh, what do you have going on in terms of building? Yeah, man. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the weather's been interesting, man. I feel like, you know, the weather is very um, bipolar, uh, literally bipolar. <laughs> it's cold and hot <laughs> in the same week. Get it? So, uh, ultimately, man, it's, you know, I'm enjoying, you know, um, this trek in Web3. Um, I actually had a really good call a few minutes ago. Um, so since I saw you guys the first time that we recorded, you know, I've been to Miami a few times. I hosted a conference called ByteCon. I co-hosted a conference called ByteCon with Tamati Leary of Microsoft, and he's also a founder of Black Men Talk Tech. So we had a, a conference at Miami Dade College, um, and we were able to impact that community, which are typically disenfranchised from this type of quality of technology conversations around entrepreneurship, you know, training, um, and advancement in the space uh, for businesses and also for the next wave of talent, uh, which is actually, you know, my premise. So the premise of uh, Black Meta Agency, uh, BMA Web3 across all platforms is literally to advance the presence of BIPOC and women within the industry, specifically around workforce technology solutions. Um, and I have another company entitled Seal Global Group. And our, 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 our purpose is to advise companies, organizations, um, and uh, solopreneurs on how to scale and expand uh, leveraging the technologies of Web3 
you know, um, blockchain, fintech, and those other future tools that has become, you know, a, a big part of what we're talking about. So um, those are the two companies uh, in Web3, uh, BMA Web3. Uh, we focus solely on developing SaaS products, uh, learning management systems, uh, and also doing outreach. Uh, we have a national tour that we launched uh, three weeks ago at Bicon. Uh, where it's the HBCU High School uh, Web3 Tour. And we'll be attacking uh, HBCUs, uh, community colleges, and high schools uh, over seven weekends across uh, eight months. And we'll be creating you know, space for entrepreneurship, training, stakeholder uh, trainings, uh, hackathons. It's going to be where ESPN Game Day meets a conference, uh, i.e., a conference that is dispersing information, dispersing you know, hardware and software, and also resources so that community can now to create their own ecosystem uh, within our you know academy to grow in the next pipeline of Web3 blockchain fintech talent. That's a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, I've been busy, man. I've been busy. I've been busy. Got, we got a lot of partners and, you know, we're doing some really cool stuff. So, you know, last year we were in New Orleans. We was in Brooklyn. You know, we was in New York with you guys. You know, we done a lot of virtual conferences, hosted some conferences here in D.C., participated uh, with some national organizations like the International Women of Blockchain Conference, U.S. Black Chamber Conference, uh, the Greater Washington Black Chamber, and leading and supporting each of those entities around thought leadership, uh, VR headset engagement, uh, and just, you know, exposing them to the wonderful world of Web3. Now, what do you think is the easiest part for people to wrap their heads around um, when, you, when you begin approaching them with these educational topics? And what do you feel is also the most difficult? Like, where do you see the contrast existing um, with your journey so far? Yeah, the easiest thing is, is about meeting people's sensibilities. Like, how can I make more money? How can I, you know, have a better lifestyle? And starting there uh, allows them to see, okay, how do they see themselves in this space uh, from this point? And now the next opportunity is that once they see where they can go, now it's about creating that pathway to get them there. Um, I think the, the most difficult piece is really adopting this um, outside of entertainment. I think people you know, love technology for the sake of entertainment and fun, um, but because Web 2 was, was such a, it was, it, was, it was really blundered when it came to you know, how we could leverage this as entrepreneurs, because you had a lot of the leaders that were just driving all of the major companies and major advancements, and it wasn't quote unquote decentralized. So I, I think the hardest thing for people to wrap their minds around is you know, how can they actually fit this into their daily lives? Um, and also how can they um, literally transition from Web 2? And people are still intimidated by Web 2, let's be honest. You know, Web 2 still has a lot of pitfalls and people have been turned off by it. So. Um, it's, it's really it's, it's really a two-pronged approach, you know, um, educating your audience, empower them, and then you engage them with so three-pronged. Yeah. Now, what what metaphors do you feel work for um, the education aspect? Like, how do you come across, or how do you help people continue their journey and eventually stumble across decentralization? Like, you, you brought that up. That's a great concept. Um, but how do you have an entrepreneur begin? Um, understanding that concept. I feel like it's not always something everyone can wrap their head around and it takes time. What is your Yeah, it, it takes time and I want to show something on camera. So like, you know, I've created this, uh, it's almost, it, it's uh, the basis of blockchain, cryptos, NFTs with Black Meta Agency. We have these very simplified terms 
um, for industries uh, such as the blockchain, fintech, you know, you know, NFTs. Um, when I was at Emerge Americas in Miami uh, last last month, wow, it was last month. Uh, I actually shared this with someone the week before, and he's a NASA consultant. He's like, hey, Howard, I've been working at NASA for years, been in blockchain for nine years, and I've not yet seen something this profound of a simplistic statement to explain what these industry terms mean and you know what they how they apply. So for me, the way that I was able to find value is like I had to simplify what the blockchain was. And without merch, you know, it's two pyramids and it was inspired by the pyramids of Giza. And if you look at understand what a pyramid is and what the blockchain is, they're very similar. And if you play something or you build a pyramid or you build the blockchain, it's there forever. It cannot be removed. It cannot be taken down. I don't care how hard you try, it's going to be there uh, if you have the proper, you know, smart contracts to support that. And I, I feel that, you know, that's a very simplified way for people to understand what the blockchain is and what it, and, and how they can leverage it. Uh, when it comes to NFTs, the parallel for NFTs is, hey, NFTs is like a digital, look at a digital credit card, look at American Express credit card, and look at NFT. The value of NFT is not in the image. The value of the card is not in the card. It's in the utilization or the benefits, right? So the more benefits a credit card has, the more viable it is as a product in the marketplace. The same thing with NFT. The more utilization slash benefits it has, the more viable it is. And just like American Express has their, you know, preference dinners and concerts and all these other access points that you get once you have this card, i.e. NFT, right? The same can be applied to the NFT world, as in once you have this NFT, it unlocks your opportunity for these type of utilization, which is broken down into tokens. So once we start to really have a very more a more simplified approach to explaining this, then people are they're going to be rushing to see, okay, well, shit, I get it. I can create my community based on utilization or he benefits leveraging tokens to you know deploy to engage and to scale. So that's how I've been able to really quickly talk to people within one minute or less about blockchain and NFT, which are very complex topics. I love it. It's a lot for people to wrap their heads around. Um, yeah, great metaphors. I, I would even just take it a step further. So after you have them begin diving into this realm, um, what are projects or concepts that you're excited about that you bring about to them um, once they start blending the two ideas together of things they've seen and um, things they need to learn? Um, where do you feel are the first steps on their journey in this current time as we're filming in May 2023? Your answer yeah, is a lot of change. <laughs> yeah, it's right before Cinco de Mayo. So this is Cinco de Cuatro. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> you know, um, for me, the, 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 I think the way that I've been able to really have people to really see the value is is showing them the level, the, the way that you can scale using these technologies and, and the way that you can actually generate more revenue and create uh, communities or develop better communities or stronger and more cohesive communities. Uh, NFT project that I was a part of, and I'm going to do something off script. I'm going to I'm going to actually pull one of the pieces that uh, was actually pasted into an NFT. So this beautiful piece of artwork um, actually is part of an NFT collection uh, by an artist in London uh, by the name of Caroline Shanakwe, and the art was actually a piece of a collection um, that she was launching that was allowing people to buy an NFT. And I put this up because it's very valuable. But buy an NFT. 
and also at the same time uh, invest in a few different verticals that she has. And one vertical was uh, obviously the physical artwork. Uh, the next vertical uh, was her home decor. The next was her nonprofit. Uh, and also the next was home decor clothing. Oh, clothes. She has a fashion line as well. And so when I use that as a case study on, hey, you know, if you have a brand that has multiple value propositions um, and you want to create a better, a stronger community, um, that's the use case. And so we brought her over from London last summer. Uh, we had a big event uh, for about a week in Essence. We had some tours in New York where we had crypto and crypto and cigars um, at Blue Smoke in Brooklyn. Uh, it's owned by a black woman um, who is actually in the NFT community as well. And so using those real life use cases and those examples, it, show, it shows uh, the community members uh, the value of this. Um, the other use case that I love is like the smart contract. And and, and I, I'll take this a, a step further, specifically for, you know, the, the black community when it comes to our, our inability to trust one another. Right. When it comes to doing business and scaling. And that's a huge issue with our community just because of racism and, you know, systemic, you know, things have happened over, you know, these multiple generations. And I look at the smart contract as a way to build trust within communities. If I don't know you, brother or sister, then yes, I'm going to be threatened by you because of all these implicit biases that has been, you know, conditioned, I've been conditioned upon. But if I have a smart contract that's going to manage our relationship, then I'm more apt to do business with you, i.e. we're more apt to scale together. So I really see the smart contract as, as a gift from our ancestors um, as it relates to, okay, we understand what happened, but this is how we're going to, you know, solution the inability uh, around trust and not just within black community, but also across different racial barriers as well. So using those real life instances and, and things that people can relate to from a, you know, economic standpoint, from a social standpoint, uh, from a social emotional standpoint and showing how technology can bridge the gap between trust, between opportunity, between community building, that has been an amazing way that I've been able to adopt so many people into at least understanding it. And then soon, once they've been exposed to it and the conversation campaign has been stronger, then they'll be more uh, uh, comfortable with joining the, the movement. That's, that's funny that you say that. Because, uh, this is beyond the block. And a lot of people's mindset is stuck on in and on the block. And a lot of times it's hard for them to understand that the switch, the transition to say, hey, there are other ways that I can be creative within this space. Uh, how do you overcome uh, the bad press um, of the space within our within our community? Yeah, I mean, that's a wonderful question, overcoming the bad press in the space. The the, the way that I've been able to do that um, was understanding, you know, how distractions are part of, you know, strategy to keep people out of an industry, right? So if you want to keep people away from something, you tell them how bad it is while you're building behind the scenes. So when they see how good it is, you're already positioned well. And because we've seen this in Web2, we've seen this in medicine, we've seen this in education, we've seen this in our industries, is this the same methodology of, you know, bait and switch? I'm gonna bait you to think this is bad, but as soon as 
government and everybody catches up with it, now I've already been institutionalized in this space. So the way that I've been able to, you know, stay above um, the, the, stay above the fold, if you will, if we're looking, tight, looking at like Washington Post and stay above the drama, is to continue to be building relationships with people and finding ways to, to build my level of influence by connecting with people that are in different spaces, uh, I'm on international business boards. I'm on local business chambers. I'm advising national organizations. I'm on university boards, uh, advisory councils. Uh, I'm also, you know, doing the regular every day, giving back, giving free advice, giving free information, uh, giving free guidance. Um, so the way that I've been able to, you know, really get ahead of the drama or the nonsense was continually be adding value in different ways, not just on making money, but in improving the quality of the environment, improving the quality of people's lives, hiring having people get jobs and get hired in this space. And those are going to be, you know, the, the conversations that's going to follow me. So, and I want to use my life and my, my mission and my approach to this as a use case on how you can stay, start where you are and build community and have impact um, while creating positive press. And another thing that I do, and you know this app, um, I put out press all the time. I share what I'm working on. I share who, who I'm working with. I share the things that I'm doing. So now people can start seeing, you know, activity and action in this space. And it's not just about, I made this much money or, you know, I signed this client and, you know, we cut this deal. It's really about, this is the work. This is how we're engaging. This is where you can be useful and, you know, of those natures. So it's really just coming at it from a very, you know, multi-pronged approach when I want to share press, help, involve, thought leader. And so, you know, because I have this level of energy in me, and I, I think that's been, you know, my way that I've kind of stayed away from the distractions, but also created a different, you know, space. And one thing, you know, that you can also attest to, you know, app and Yuri is that, you know, I, you may not have a million followers in your network, you're still influential. And the fact that we all are influential in our circles and our, our familiar circles and our professional circles uh, and our social circles, those are platforms that people would pay millions of dollars to access. And we don't take advantage of those platforms and sharing from ego, from fear, from pride, uh, and from you know the fear of failure. So you know once you put that shit on the side and say, I'm, I'm not afraid to fail, I'm not afraid to mess up, my ego isn't involved, then you become an agent of change. That's good. Now, now you've been using the term build, build, build. A lot of people hear that term. What does that mean? So build for me is building thought leadership, right? Uh, building um, um, strong and, and, and dynamic ideas uh, within the space and, and, and building people, building communities of people that are looking to, you know, enter the space, but they'd be fearful. But once you share with them ideas and how I started as an elementary classroom teacher to college professor to small business to cyber, that is building comfort and knowing that you can also transition and pivot. Building also requires you to put you know boots on the ground. Um, so building pipelines. When I say build, I literally mean building solutions that are going to get people from where they are to where they want to be. And because I, I, I've taken a step in workforce tech uh, slash workforce development, I'm actually building pipelines of people at the collegiate, at the you know K-12 level, at the business level as entrepreneurs, and then socially just sharing you know the ways that you can use this technology. So 
building pathways is not just empowering people for jobs, but empowering people to really take advantage of this, again, from a, a sensibility standpoint, like what does this mean to me? How, how does this matter? So, you know, for me, when I say build, I don't just mean building a company that's gonna do this. I mean, building communities, building thought leadership, uh, building momentum, um, and actually, you know, building communities around me that's gonna, that can actually do more than I can do on my own. And so I host a lot of events in multiple cities um, because I want to empower people to go out and do it also. I don't want to be the builder that is that loves building, but a good builder wants to have other builders so now, you know, they can really impact, you know, you know, macro change. So when I say build, I mean build from, you know, multiple levels. So, so question now, this is, a, this is gonna be a good one. 20 years after you're gone, what do you what do you want the people to think about you of the legacy that you left? Man, I'm going to put my my intellect into an AI, and they're going to be able to. <laughs> Isn't that right, Yuri? I'm going to put yep. Cause, perfect cause segue. I want to put all that energy into an AI, and so like you know, what I mean, my spirit is going to live on, and my energy will live on. Um, but to answer your question, you know, in, in a more pragmatic way, um, I, I, I really want people to look at you know my life journey and my path as a as a use case as a child from one of 18 kids as a child from a a you know a dysfunctional household of, of single parent uh, being raised on a dirt road in South Carolina and how I'm able to impact change and influence things at a global at a global level um, through relationships and just through hard work and I want people to see you know my life as an example as a curriculum to pull from. I mean, I've been blessed to be in so many industries and I've been also blessed to be able to take risks. Um, and I know people don't have don't have all the abilities and things that I do, but I'm only, you know, a compilation of everybody that I've met and only a compilation of all the industries that I've touched. So I want people to be able to take my life as a curriculum and, and extract from that. So when they when I leave, I want them to say, okay, wow, I may not be able to serve on 10 boards or you know run around the country or do these things, but I do like that which he has done. So how can I take that and apply it to my life? Um, so you know, having these conversations like this is going to be adding to my level of immortality when it comes to influence. Um, so when I, when I leave, I want people to know that, yeah, he, he cared about people. He cared about humanity. He cared about living life to the fullest and, and, and starting where you are. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to continue diving into that. Um, so in terms of taking those first steps and uh, finding, let's say, your place in the world, not yours specifically, but let's say anyone who's listening to this, um, so they can develop their own thesis or figure out how they're leaving their own legacy. Um, what do you think your catalyst would be? What books would you recommend? Um, and what steps would you have them take forward? And then I'll ask the AI question afterwards. Yeah, I love, I love, I love AI questions. You know, I, I, I was I was all over AI this morning. Like I had a conversation on LinkedIn about the ethics and policies and of AI. Um, Answer the question again, because I love AI. I went on hold. We'll, we'll do both. Uh, so what is educational <laughs> materials you would have someone pick up today who's listening to this? Yeah. And then what is one AI tool you would have someone check out? Uh, pick up this educational tool, tool. This one page. Where can has, they find this? Yeah, and I'll be, I'll be able to share this with you all. You can you know add as a link. Um, 
But I, I want people to understand that it, it starts at self-edification. It starts at teaching yourself the basics, one. Um, a tool, and then we talk about decentralizing learning. Go to YouTube University. Go to YouTube. Like, I live in YouTube. Anything that I don't know, I take time and I find a video, I find some literature online. And, you know, I, I could say, you know, read this book, uh, uh, et cetera. So one thing that I also think is important for technologists is to understand that you need information outside of technologies to be a good technology solutionist. Like to be a technology solutionist is not just looking at how can you code better? How can you code for a purpose to solve a problem? And I think that we are so heavily laden with tech search, tech this, tech that, and that we're actually discounting the value of like real life learned experiences, uh, real life problem solving that don't involve tech and bringing tech into real life problems and now allowing those problems to be solution in a different level of speed and accuracy that we couldn't by just leveraging our own independent intellect. Um, so that's why I love the power and the gift of, you know, open, open, open AI and ChatGPT and those type of uh, learning language models. Um, however, you know, as we kind of dovetail into, you know, another part of the conversation, it's also about having historical context that's beyond a thousand years, that's beyond 5,000 years. It's about having historical context from the age of civilization. And if you understand time and you know this planet, this planet has been here for about 14.5 billion years. So if you start to understand that this has been around a long time and you start to understand like, how can we solve problems that haven't been solved before versus problems that only benefit me, you know, my sensibilities and what I, what I care deeply about versus problems that societies have struggled with. Then I think that's where the education comes in by in, in informing yourself outside of tech about history, about politics, about religion, about uh, economics, and now using tech as, as a tool and not just tech as a solution and, and all the be all. Um, so, you know, that's that's my perspective on you know uh, on that question. And is there you mentioned the the classics? Is there any AI tools that you're using currently that you think anyone should check out and incorporate into their workflow? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm using ChatGPT four plus. You know, I, I leveled up and paid for pay for the advanced version. You know, I was I was I was trying not to, but I was like, man, you know, I'm in the space. Why not? You know, just ask someone that really loves. You know, creating um, um, solutions um, for me that that that's one. Uh, I, another one that I really. How are you, how are you using oh. it specifically? Man, that's a great question. So I, I'm I'm using it to refine my my my, my personal approach or my opinions uh, or my theses around business uh, around problem solving. Uh, I'm using it to edit documents. I'm, I'm using it to go deeper into um, ideas that I have. Uh, I use it for white papers. I use it for use cases, um, market gap analysis. Um, because I'm a management consultant, and management consultant is about solving problems uh, using change leadership and using you know multiple different type of you know methodologies. Because I have this science in my mind, I don't have you know, 10, 20, 30 years of experience, but I can use AI because I can ask the right questions that are generated from a management consulting, you know, standpoint when it comes to process 
engineering and you know uh, uh, um, um, reiterated iteration and you know uh, the CMI when it comes to um, the Carnegie Mellon Institute of Change Leadership and those type of things because I had that information now I can ask questions from from that platform and, and, and I really believe that you know although you know people are really intimidated by AI and some people feel like it's going to take jobs what I, what I have learned in learning it and teaching people how to use you know ChatGPT is that you really have to understand problems understand ideas concepts in order to put the proper prompts in to get the best outcomes and if you are a conversationalist if you are a thought leader i think thought leaders are some of the best people that can use these type of tools because they're not just thinking within one industry they're thinking about you know um, uh, multiple industries um, from a social geopolitical um, you know emotional standpoint and if you can look at life from a sphere perspective and then that allows your questions to be better informed better tailored so i'm using it to refine you know my natural gifts but also using it also to teach me um this morning i was asking very philosophical questions of, of the ai and i was finding different gaps in what they were sharing that were a little more liberal than it should have been and a little more um um close i want to say close-minded but a little more uh restricted based on what based on the data that's been provided who's providing data people people that have these perspectives um these closed i don't say close-minded but these restrictive type of missions where they are really trying to not only solve a problem but solve the problem from their ego which is what they feel is right from from relationships to gender to race um, to health based on what they feel, not what history has showed and revealed. So I, 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 I'm actually using the AI to actually understand the type of data that's being inputted. Um, and you know, as someone that has been a professor in multiple colleges, universities, and has taught teachers and trained teachers, I see a lot of gaps. And those gaps are things that I'm actually working on to help build the next pathway of people that understand, that, oh, it is a tool and it can generate, you know, great pattern driven results and data driven results. However, it doesn't have intuition and it doesn't have any type of spiritual insight. And those are and those are variables that really create different levels and different quality of solutions that AI cannot do. So as we talk about what AI take jobs, it, it will take some jobs, but some things that it cannot do is input intuition and input spiritual guidance. And you know, from a holistic standpoint, those are that, that's magic. Those are you know that's the glue that actually pulls these things together and makes it you know make sense, but also makes it more impactful. So I hope I answered your question. Um, as how I'm using AI, but I'm using it from a holistic standpoint, not just to solve A plus B equals C, but solve issues and problems and also challenge the system to see how well it can respond to things that I already know. So I may ask questions that I know and say, okay, what is it gonna say about something I already know? And from that point, I'm realizing, okay, I didn't know that, but yeah, you missed a whole piece of information that is really, you know, uh, uh, imperative to really have a fully, you know, fleshed out uh, idea or solution. 
Definitely. I think um, a great way to bring it about, as you just said, was um, identifying that thought leaders can use it to their benefit by asking the right questions. Um, I've been saying a lot lately, um, very similar terms, that AI is a catalyst for divergent thinking, um, using it to grow and not just to replace tasks or even creativity is the best way to use it going forward. And I think a lot of people miss that point where um, they think it can simply give them what they need, but it'll hand you good. It won't necessarily hand you great unless you do have the right questions to ask. And I think you hit the nail on the head for that. Um, yeah, you can put that as a caption under, under your talk. It would give you good, but not great. I, I love that because again, if this is the first time you use this type of technology, then you may think it's the Holy Grail. But we know the Holy Grail is actually the Holy Grail because there is a Holy Grail, right? So, so as, as you say about good versus great, I think because we exist in a society of mediocrity, this seems great, right, in context. But those who understand what greatness really is from our, from the from the Egyptian times when pyramids were built, from with Plato and from all of these other, you know, great philosophers and relig religiosity leisures, realize, oh, that's greatness and this is good. And it may feel like it's great, but it's not because greatness comes from really in, in, in putting spirit, intellect, intuition, and those other you know, esoteric components into, you know, ideating thoughts and change. Yeah, I, I'd, uh, I completely agree. I had another friend who um, made a metaphor to the fact that it's probably the first steps of technology being able to hallucinate. Um, but I think like the easier way to bring this about is it allows you to skip the intimidating concept of writing or journalism and get right to editing and iteration. Like that is the beauty of it. It gets right to even what Abby was saying earlier, the build. Like, I think it, it allows you to skip the step of wondering if you are sped it, spreading your focus to be too open and let, let you get narrow and kind of dive right in. I think we just yeah, lost it. Abby, you still there? That, okay. Yeah, and into that bill piece, uh, the, the piece that, I, I, that I'm seeing so much, and we've seen this, man, because of, we've seen this because of Web2, when it comes to, we have less critical thinkers and those who are analyzing information versus those who are regurgitating and just getting just to the answer. And I love using the encyclopedia con con uh, um, concept. And we were in school, Ab and Yuri, um, we had to go into an encyclopedia, which is a very thick book for those who are what encyclopedia is. And it has a lot of information about a lot of different topics. And that's Wikipedia. upon that learning journey, you learn indirect information, also direct information, and now you have a, a more well-informed, you know, idea, solution, uh, or approach versus typing in this, this answer and getting just this outcome. Then it's very flat. There's no dimension. And now it's only applicable just for that one particular purpose. So... The fear or the trepidation that I have with this type of technology is that those who are inputting this information and leveraging it, they've not had, a, they've not been forced to be critical thinkers or been forced to really take information from different fields and then come up with their own um, uh, um, idea based on, you know, again, how they think, what they're using to think and what problem they're solving. They're only solving a piece of it. So, for those that are fearful, that are fearful of this AI or this technology um, in the learning language uh, model phase of it, uh, don't be fearful. Understand that you still need critical thinking, you still need a level of analysis, and also you still need 
a level of subject matter expertise that's going to allow you to ask better questions and get better better results a great results to your point so but then saying that, does that mean that all of the content that is being provided by AI is, is is like blank pieces of paper and there's no culture? Does that eliminate the culture? Yeah, yeah, so to your point, so so, so, so now I'm, I'm making a mental note forever now. Uh, one thing that AI, AI does, so I've asked AI, OpenAI or ChatGPT to, you know, make this, make this solution applicable to African-Americans and the culture that it uses again is data points and those data points are still behind the curve when it comes to like what is really hot right what is really culturally relevant so it gives you a a da, 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 if you're looking at an object a peripheral perspective right of culture but it indeed the depth it doesn't give you the breadth of culture um so so to your point Yes, uh, uh, these these tools are not extremely flat, but they're not extremely round. And that roundness of thought and that depth of thought, it comes from us. Like we are the data that AI is leveraging. Like we have created the data, so we have the roundness and the depth of thought and culture and insight and intuition and spirituality and esotericism. Because we're telling it what esoteric is. They're not telling us. We're telling it. So now it's it's compiling you know, a community of information and giving it back to us based on the data we input. And that's and that's why it's so imperative that we have people that are from diverse backgrounds, that are from dynamic experiences, um, that are from different levels of education, thought and culture as they continue to feed the data. So now it is more reflective of everyone and not just those who are in control of feeding the data. So, sounds like we need community. Yeah, this is, and that's what, and that's what I'm building community. That's why I'm like, hey, person that's an artist, hey, sneaker kid, hey, graffiti artist, you need to have a space in Web three because you look at art differently than an a, a artist that is traditionally here. Uh, AI can't look through the eyes of a graffiti artist that understands tagging and understands, you know, color and understands placement and understands culture and understands history, like, and then puts it. And it finds a, a tag or a place to tag it on a train or an overpass or a wall. Um, and there's still value in that. And AI would, will overlook that. Why? Because legally tagging is wrong, right? So it's gonna it's gonna play within the confines and the bounds of what the infrastructure that we tell it to be, right? Of, of right and wrong and these things. But also we know rule breakers are the ones that also also are innovators. So you know what I mean? So to the, to the point I'm making is that AI is great. AI is good, but man, it, it's only great as the people that are leveraging it and the people that we're putting in positions to leverage this, this technology. Uh, we, you know, we can go on and on and on about AI because I have I, I have these certain sentiments about it myself. And one of the main things is I use it for everything too. Every text, every write-up, everything. And just one day I was just like, yo, is this really dumbing me down? Like, is it dumbing me down? Like how before when we had beeper numbers, we could remember numbers, we could remember numbers, moms, grandmothers, numbers, 10 numbers at a time. And now it's like, could I even remember how to even write a blog? Or, or, or am I just a professional editor? 
for the AI because that's how I'm starting to feel now. Now my editing game is impeccable because I do so much reading. Like with now, <laughs> yeah, so much. So um, speaking of that, speaking about culture, though, like you know, I always like to go into health and um, self-preservation and being pulled in meditation and you know. Once again, you know, you, you are you are that. And I want you to explain that a little bit and tell how how, how people can actually tap in and, and not stress themselves and not uh, thinking that it all has to be done in one day. And it's more to life than just, you know, the monotony of all of these gadgets that pull us so much because we're addicted to our phones. We're addicted to the tech. And sometimes we lose in touch with reality. Some people are not going to the bathroom, or some people are not even eating it directly. So let's touch upon some of the real life things that uh, happens within our space. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, Ab, I appreciate that. It, you know, I, I, I want to go back to some of the comments that we had. Uh, I think I, I think I hit you when I was going to uh, a quiet retreat. Um, it was it's called a, a Quaker meeting. And which you go into, you know, a non-denominational, you know, space, and you have different, you know, religious leaders and people from different backgrounds, and they just spend the entire day being quiet, sitting in silence. And you know, for me, that was um, it was rest- it was restorative for me, um, but also it was alarming that man, I had to drive an hour away from home just to get a full day of silence. So it says that you know we aren't valuing, you know those basic tenets of just, you know, mental health um, that exists within our own being. Um, I know for me, you know, I, I grew up, and I say grew up, but I say in 2008 and nine, that was the, that, that, that was the bursting of grind hard, stay up late, get it da 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 And that was the first generation that actually was trying to go at it that way. And we see that that wasn't healthy. And now we're seeing, okay, now we need a holistic uh, approach to how we, are taking care of ourselves and you know um so you know since that journey of doing it that way not the best way i started to look at history again looking at time from 14.5 billion years versus a generation or five generations or you know uh after dominion ad and etc we understand that you know our, our life's mission is far greater than just fulfilling, you know, the interests of our parents or just fulfilling the financial obligations, just taking a trip. Uh, but it's about pushing community and culture forward. And part of that culture forward is creating a culture of, of healthy living um, through what we consume um, and what we ingest, what we read and, you know, how we go about things. So, you know, for me, you know, I have a regular conversations. I'm actually advising uh, mental health organizations and clinicians on how to leverage, you know, virtual reality in healthcare and, and virtual reality and mental health and virtual reality in uh, clinical therapy sessions, as in allowing the VR space to help us manage and clear away all the noise that is distracting us, right? From, you know, finding peace and harmony. And, and, and I think if we really understand this question is that if I was on an island, then what would matter to me the most? And if we understand that, then we can find that island every day. What matters to you most when you're in the island is what? Food, peace, you know, cleanliness, health, and peace of mind. 
Um, and because we have these multiple distractions, as you mentioned, from cell phones and you know competing interests and TV and you know streaming channels and on-demand everything, I, I, everything is on-demand except for our mental wellness. And I think, and once we start to really understand that, yo, like our mental wellness is actually the steam and the baseline to make sure everything runs effectively, but also everything runs in, in a sustainable framework. Then I think we'll, we'll we'll begin to have more value around mental health and wellness. So you know, I have regular conversations. Uh, I actually implement you know my own mental health practices from meditation to cold showers to you know sophagio frequencies to you know eating foods that are actually brain food. And if you understand that sugar and carbs are actually anti quote unquote thinking energy because it really in, in, impacts your ability to think with clarity and continuity and also with longevity, then you realize that, wow, we are actually machines. And if we actually want to get the best out of ourselves, it's gonna take rest, and take a healthy diet, it's gonna take, you know, balance, it's gonna take, you know, recreation. So we go back to our our, our, our objective. So, you know, you know, I'll close in saying that, you know, it's about looking at history um, as, a, as a guiding point and as a metric to, okay, how did they do it? You know, what went wrong, what went right, and then how are we going to allow history to educate us on how to lead, you know, more better, successful, healthier lives in the future. No, I think that's that's the tie-in, right? Like, why do we do any of this? And it, it goes back to um, being able to find that balance. Like, I think this is great. Um, I, I'm good, Abby. I, I, we have a lot to process here for the right reasons, and um, there is another day, is what it sounds like. This is a, the last question is the book. You yes, had. yes. I I felt we felt it with YouTube University, but let let's tie back into um, what is one book that you have read um, that you feel changed the way you looked at building this space, or even helped you find this space. Yeah, the book that I read. It's, it's, it's two books, right? The first book was How Rich People Think by Steve Siebel. And this book was so profound. It talked about the some of the things that it talked about, I'll talk about more, more, more effectively is a linear thinker and a non-linear thinker, or uh, a world-class thinker and a linear thinker. And a linear thinker thinks of making money um, on a scale of, you know, every year I get a 5,000 or 5% increase so you're going and structuring linearly, um, but a world-class thinker to think of, of of making opportunity and wealth through idea creation. And then one idea it may take three years, but it's going to get me here. Another idea gets me here, and before you know it, like you're well beyond you know this vector versus this vector because your ideas are the driving force versus time. So that was the baseline of like, okay, shit, I need to have ideas. I don't need to have you know, a linear perspective and staying in the job for 20 years, I didn't have ideas that are gonna be able to surpass that of which, you know, a 20 year career person. So that's why I've kind of, you know, delved deeply into multiple industries. Uh, the second book, uh, which is a very profound book is entitled The Way of the Superior Man um, by Dave Dieta, Dave Dieta. And that book, i.e. is not depth, is not in depth about technology, but, it's, but it talks about, you know, the feminine and the masculine polarities. It speaks about the power of breathing. It speaks about dealing with yourself, yoga, how to deal with your mate, uh, meeting meeting your 
meeting yourself, uh, pushing yourself to your edge, the value of going to your edge on a regular basis and, and how that pushes you to become a better, more evolved human being. Um, so it's, it's, it's more, it's less about technology and more about personal and development and self-awareness, which I think those two pieces are plaguing the, the, the proper growth and the, the quality of solutions in this space because you know, if you're not self-aware and you're not continuing to develop yourself, then whatever you create is only going to be a, a fraction of what you could create because you're not tapping into your higher self. Um, so it talked about meditation in that book and talked about the value of that. Um, so, you know, when I approach this space and I'll say my North Star, and I know this is gonna be a left a left field conversation, but my, left, my North Star is to have the entire world meditate at the same damn time and have that energy vibrate across the entire planet. Because if you understand how energy is in the universe, that's gonna shift the cosmos. That's gonna shift a lot, not just internally, but energetically, the frequencies and how we respond to each other. So I got into this space because I was like, yo, if Web3 is a way for us to get into VR and VR is a way for us to you know, have you know, a standard environment, then what if the entire world can either meditate IRL or meet in a virtual a virtual space and have peace and harmony and then how would that change our society moving forward because it's never been done before um, so I think that things like that uh, because I think those type of things are going to propel our our culture well well beyond anything that we can imagine well you know Michael Jackson tried to stop that so heal the world <laughs> he's trying to heal the world but i want, I want the i think the healing will come from awareness and and, and i think we were trying to put band-aids and give money to aid and you know give this grant and get this money and you know help these communities and start the u.n but no one said yo let's let's try to find mindfulness for one freaking day for a few hours and just see what that impact is what we have to lose is fucking free it's free to do so and it's something that you know sometimes the the best solutions are the ones that are easily overlooked because of the simplicity in it. And so I I, I I e I'm so you know hell bent on technology, but also the simplicity of things is being still, being calm, and while also leveraging you know all these technologies, man. So you know uh, if you're interested in you know gaining one of these tools, you know feel free to you know follow us, uh, send us a DM, uh, send us a DM at bmaweb3 bmaweb3 um, you know, hit me at info at dmaweb3.com. Uh, we'd love to continue this conversation, you know, in silos or with other thought leaders. Uh, feel free to tag me, man. We, we're here to change the world. And, you know, I, as Michael Jackson and, you know, my man, Fan Abby says, heal the world, you know, leveraging technology and, you know, simplistic approaches to how we look at problem solving. Thank you very much, Howard. Shout out to the black whole black meta agency because I know you got a great team behind you. I know you Man, I'm blessed. <laughs> um, but this is Beyond the Block, our podcast. Make sure you tune in. Any last words, Yuri? Thank you for listening. <laughs> peace. Peace. Little little peace. <laughs>
Yes, yes, yes. This is Beyond the Blockchain Podcast with your host, Abby Harrison, Yuri C. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed that. You can see Howard has um, been pushing the envelope as far as uh, educating and connecting. He has tapped all the way back into high school, which is one of the most important things. Like, where is the minds open and free and not stuck, right? Uh, it's that new young generation. They're the one who kind of set the trends on new ideas, new technology. And sometimes us as being older, we kind of get stuck in our ways on technology. Um, you have to have a free mind, free spirit to appreciate and adapt some of this new technology. Sometimes we get stuck, right? But this is Web3, this is crypto, this is a new phenomenon, it's not even 25 years old, um, but this is something that we all should be looking into, and I'm glad, I'm actually happy that I was able to get Howard to come on. Actually, this is our second interview, we had technical difficulties the first time around with Howard, um, and actually the second interview is better than the first one, so I'm actually got to, I'm actually glad that how I got a chance to come on. This is Beyond the Blockchain Podcast. We do this each and every Monday. Make sure you tune in. Also, if you're not a part of our community web network, please join us. We're a Telegram community. Um, if you have no idea, no clue of what's going in the Web3, this is definitely a great resource for you to come in. Check it out. I have a list of books and all types of resourceful information. If you want to be a trader, there's trading information in there for you from zero to one in the blockchain. If Listen, my information and resources go so deep. It's just not it's just not on the surface level. Like if you want to go to coding or you want to learn anything about developing all the information, all the resources that are in the Telegram group, it is web network. Make sure you tune in. We tune in with us each and every monday um i am your boy abtrax abby harris uh my co-host yuri c uh we do this each and every week and uh, look out for our next interview peace oh yeah 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 wait i can't say peace without telling you guys follow us on instagram youtube twitter uh threads um, and look out for new projects and new stuff that's going on. Like I said, if you're in the Telegram group, uh, all the information will be in there. And uh, peace.